what is this? Some kind of breakfast club? We have to go back. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Flashback Flicks Retro Movie Podcast. I'm Ricky. I'm Grayson. And don't you straight out the gate forget about us. Don't, 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 don't. Didn't even wait till the end. No, I, no, because barely uh, even waited for the beginning. Grayson, it's played at the beginning and the end. I'm booking. I'm book ending. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Um. Well, then, in order to kind of make the feeling of the opening, I just went ahead and googled David Bowie quotes, and I'm going to read the first mm-hmm. one that pops up. I don't know where I'm going from here, but I promise it won't be boring. I think that's a good start to the episode. Crash. And it's super accurate. We often don't know where we're going. I mean, promise is a strong word, but we hope that it won't be boring. We sure do. We are reviewing the 1985, just quintessential uh, 80s teen movie written and directed by the wonderful John Hughes, The Breakfast Club. Uh, We decided to just... Review the classic because it's a classic and it needs no justification. Yeah, uh, we're just going to pull a John Bender and say, we'll do whatever we want. We'll do whatever we want. You know The Breakfast Club. Even if you have never seen The Breakfast Club, you know The Breakfast Club. But on the off chance that you didn't, I'm going to tell you something you probably didn't know. Um, the text on the original Breakfast Club poster. It says, they met only once. But it changed their lives forever. They were five total strangers with nothing in common. Meeting for the first time. A brain, a beauty, a jock, a rebel, and a recluse. Before the day was over, they broke the rules, bared their souls, and touched each other in a way they never dreamed possible. The Breakfast Club. They put all that on the poster? All that's on the poster in like size like 24 font. So it fills up most of the top, and then mm. it's all them doing that pose. I, I think I did hear optometrists used to use that poster <laughs> as an eye chart. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yes. Just read the whole thing for yeah, me. So read the top. is like they met only once. Very good. And what about the second one? Uh, a, 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 a bra? No. I'm going to put you at 2030. <laughs> all right? Uh, but yeah, that's the premise of The Breakfast Club movie was made in 1985 and it was john hughes like it's the movie that a lot of people think of when they say john hughes unless you're thinking of another john hughes film but Mm. you you want to be thinking of the breakfast club um i really wish i was thinking about the breakfast club right now (laughs) so there are just a billion fun facts about this movie and i did my best to try to compile as many things that i found to be interesting so uh, you're not going to get the typical uh rundown of this movie because i feel like it's in such the public consciousness that i don't want to sound redundant but i will say the following so it was revealed in 1999 in an interview that John Hughes uh, requested to direct the film. Uh, when, when he wanted to make this film, it was met with a lot of resistance and skepticism uh, because he didn't really have a ton of film experience. I mean, in 1985, he had only done a couple of TV shows. He already did 16 Candles, which, you know, 
did really well. Uh, Mr. Mom, he written, but he he had done a ton of writing, but not a ton of directing. Uh, and so the, the studios were like, eh, maybe not, Johnny. Uh, but then he said, what if I told you I could make this movie for $1 million? And they said, $1 million? You're a madman. Let's get this guy a school. And so they did. And the movie went on to gross $51.5 million. And uh, it just did crazy well. Uh, It starred the Brat Pack, uh, which actually they were given that name after and or around this movie's release. Um, And at the time, actually, it wasn't a positive term. It was just like, oh, it was basically calling them the millennial meetup. I was trying to think of something. That really rolls off the tongue. (laughs) It really does. Actually, you know what? I think this is the smallest cast of any movie we've done. There's only 14 people in the entire movie. You're right. Let's do it. I'm I'm just going to say all their names. Uh It's not often that we can say the entire cast, but we're going to do it. Emilio Estevez as Andrew Clark, Paul Gleason as Richard Vernon, Anthony Michael Hall as Brian Johnson, John Capellos as Carl, Judd Nelson as John Bender, Molly Ringwald, Claire Standish, I didn't know that was her last name, Ali Sheedy, Allison Reynolds, Perry Crawford, Allison's father, Mary Christian, Brian's sister, Ron Dean, Andy's father, Tim Gamble, Claire's father, Fran Gargano, Allison's mom, Mercedes Hall, Brian's mom, John Hughes, Brian's father, uncredited. Oh. You know what? It was nice to do it once, but let's (laughs) never do that again. Sounds good. Um, The movie um, never spun off any sequels despite its huge popularity and love, um, but it has been homaged so many times. I can name at least 10 shows. You know what? Let's do it. Um, Community. Um, Victorious. No, we're not going to go through it. There was like a, a, a flashback thing in family guy one time pretty much any bottle episode of any tv show is basically the breakfast club if yeah, you think true. about it oh um, yeah and i'm pretty sure by the end of this episode we'll figure out what the sequel would have been absolutely but um there were talks of ch- basically checking in with the breakfast club every 10 years and having a sequel be about like where everyone is oh kind of a life. wet hot american summer approach exactly all we have is this one really wonderful movie uh, so that's a little bit of the history of the movie. Uh, we will talk a little bit more about the title later, so stay tuned for that. But before we get into our reactions, I want to give you guys a couple of fun facts. Uh, interestingly enough, the David Bowie quote, not the one that you read, but the one that was in the movie, sure. was Ali Sheedy's suggestion. She showed um, John Hughes that quote, and he said, mm-hmm, 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 and they never said anything about it. And then it showed up in the movie, and Ali Sheedy's like, yeah, that's me. Speaking of Ali Sheedy's character, Allison does not speak until 33 minutes into the film. And here's one of my favorite things. Uh, Judd Nelson uh, did a lot of method acting, and he remained in character between shooting, frequently taunted Molly Ringwald to the point of tears. And he pulled a 21 Jump Street by going undercover at a local high school outside Chicago and convinced the teenagers that he was a legitimate student. Uh, And he bought beer for them with his fake ID because Judd Nelson was 24 at the time of filming. He he did that method acting. Um, I've always said that Judd Nelson was the Daniel Day-Lewis of high school movies. (laughs) You have. You always say that. I think that's how you sign most of your postcards. I just feel so validated. (laughs) 
And this lore may be common knowledge, but this was new to me. The scene where all the characters are sitting in a circle in the library and telling stories about why they were in detention was not mm -hmm. scripted. Hughes just yeah. told them to ad lib, which I thought was amazing. I've, I've heard that. And in my opinion, that is the most important scene of the entire movie. So <sighs> oh, absolutely. that's very bold to to approach it that way. I heard one time, and I'm not going to verify this through actual research, that the entire movie was written in a weekend. Uh, I heard it was written in two days. Well, that kind of sounds like a weekend. Not a three. <laughs> Let's see. You got Saturday. You got Sunday. Listen. Oh, were you counting Friday Grayson, night? Grayson, you're doing Friday wrong. Oh, I am. I work late. <laughs> Uh, yes, you're right. That that is a weekend uh, on most calendars. So, <laughs> yeah, no, I, I heard that too, and I think that that is amazing. The joke Bender is saying when he is crawling through the air ducts mm -hmm. um, that involves a blonde and a poodle, I believe, and a giant thing of sausage. Anyway, it's a profane joke, but for a long time people were wondering what was the end of it and i've seen things where they say it, there was no ending he was just basically putting elements together um if you are interested in the ending of that joke because it just completely frustrates you mm -hmm. there is a thread on reddit where people attempt to complete the joke i will not read the answers <laughs> because they are gross but uh, I know that when I watched it the first time, it drove me insane that there was no ending. And when I read that there was intentionally no ending, it um, really frustrated me. So <laughs> if you need to close the loop, Reddit is the place for that. Awesome. Thanks for sharing that. All right. Now we're going to take a trip on over to Quote Corner. Uh, I have three little moments in Quote Corner. Uh, my favorite moments in the entire movie. Uh, when Brian is getting out of the car and he's like, oh, mom, we're not allowed to study. Mom says, well, mister, you better find a way to study. <laughs> sister, yeah. I laughed really loud. <laughs> just when the sister's, yeah. <laughs> I just love that. Um, also, Bender, hey, how come Andrew gets to get up? If he gets up, we'll all get up. It'll be anarchy. <laughs> love that. I could see George Costanza saying that. <laughs> How come Andrew? I'm not gonna try a Costanza. It's not worth it. Oh, uh, <laughs> no one does a Costanza. <laughs> and my last one. What do you need a fake ID for? So I can vote. <laughs> I loved it. I was just like, what a choice! What a choice! And uh, the theory is that that was also uh, ad libbed. Nice. My only quote is uh, the character of Allison, uh, played by Ali Sheedy, mm -hmm. uh, and it it's takes place within the first 33 minutes of the movie. Mm -hmm. And it goes like this. And scene. <laughs> love it. I really felt. Yeah, it just really stuck out to me. The buildup. No, I love it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Without further ado, let's get into our reaction. So, Grayson, uh, when was the last time that you saw The Breakfast Club? I honestly can't pinpoint the first or last time that I saw this movie. It's one of those that just always has been around ever since I was in high school. Yeah. Um, and every couple of years, I just rewatch it. I really enjoy this movie. 
And uh, this is one of those movies, too, that I used to have to like reenact as part of the show that we used to do. I yeah. always played Allison and would put baby powder in my hair and do the disgusting dandruff Bob Ross routine. <laughs> uh, but I really enjoy this movie. And it's one of those where if it's on TV, like I just have to stop and watch all of it. Um, so I, I don't remember the last time, but it is one that I watch pretty frequently. Um, and it did help a lot to watch it specifically for this episode, just looking for different things. Uh, I Every time I watch it, I get something uh, new out of it, uh, whether it's the relationships between the kids or the relationships between um, the kids and adults or just the, the balance that this story seems to find. I, uh, I always can, can glean something new from it. So uh, I can't honestly pinpoint uh, last time, but um, I mean, I guess in all honesty, it was two days ago. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I can't. I also can't pinpoint when the last time I saw it. I did realize I've never seen the movie from the very beginning to the very end. Uh, this oh. is my first time watching it in its entirety because I, I was watching the movie and I'm like, did I accidentally skip towards the end because it was playing? Don't you forget about me? I was like, did I skip something? And then there's, and then he starts with the monologue of like, hey, you asked us to write this letter. I'm like, no, I definitely clicked a button. Like, I'm at the end of the movie right now. And I didn't realize that that's how it opens. Uh, so I this is my first time actually watching it from like the true beginning to the end. Uh, but yeah, I've seen it uh, basically from... The time that the door locks uh, or the door closes forward is basically what I've seen. Oh, wow. Okay. I guess the only thing you miss then is the relationship with the parents at the beginning. Right. To kind of see the pressures that they're under. And you also lose some of Vernon, but you still get him after the door when he comes back in. Um, just all of his ground rules. It's not like there's crazy ground rules, though. Uh, but I did notice this time that it would have been a super boring movie if they all obeyed his rules, right. which is no talking, no moving. Great. Okay. What did I just buy? <laughs> One of the biggest things I noticed, speaking about the rules, he said, all right, you have eight hours. I'm like, wait a second. I didn't realize they were there for eight hours an entire day. Yeah. That, I never knew that. I said, oh, I thought they were here just for like a a morning to like noon thing. Because that means he has to be here all day too. Oh, yeah. Terrible job. Gosh. I never, I never. Every weekend that. too. Yeah. He kept on, he kept on giving this guy Saturday detention, which means that just him, only he, only he's going to be there. Yeah. If no one gets detention, does that mean he gets a weekend? <laughs> he just gives them the keys. Ah, lock up, kid. I'm going. I got plans. <laughs> Watching it this time, I realized so many things I probably I feel like I've never noticed about the Breakfast Club. Most of which is how terrible these teachers are. <laughs> Real bad. Yeah, he was just so intense and I'm like, oh my gosh, he would be so fired right now. <laughs> and and also the kids, like Bender was just so aggressively like not taking no for answers and it just gah. It was he, he is very aggressive. It it was uncomfortably aggressive. 
especially watching it with the current context of everything that's been going on. Um, everything from the things he says, especially uh, most of it's directed to Claire, almost exclusively directed yeah. to Claire. Um, and when he's hiding under the table, super inappropriate. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, not okay. Yeah. It's like, and it's not one. It, yeah. It's, and it's not even one of those things of like, you know what? I forgot that was a thing in the eighties. It was just like, oh, this is just wrong every decade. I'm like, oh yeah. no. Yeah. It's never been okay. Yeah, and so I was just, uh, yeah. Uh, but even with that being said, um, every single person, it took me a while to remind myself I wasn't watching a documentary. Um, the main thing that reminded me of that was when Amelia Estevez closed that door, screamed, and then the glass shattered. Um, I was like, oh, that's oh, right. Yeah. I'm watching a movie right now. Yeah, my wife went, uh, what? <laughs> she, also, she also brought up, there's no type of marijuana that makes somebody do that. Like, everyone else uh, w- was doing doing marijuana. I sound mm-hmm. like I'm mm-hmm. 50, 100 years old. Yeah. Um, 50, 100. <laughs> she was like, no, that's like straight up PCP going nuts like he just turned into the incredible hulk basically yeah well it was justified to me when it when it cut to allison just staring at him and i was like did she just imagine that happening or like mm. like that's the only thing that made sense to me but yeah but other than that like these characters are very believable even bender and how gross he was uh i believed him as like a person and a character yeah i think the my biggest thing i mean besides you know realizing it was uh, a movie that had a beginning apparently sure, sure um it's one of those movies oh it's one of those beginning movies i don't think i ever realized how impressive and how well paced this movie is uh oh, yeah. because they just it's almost because it's a coming of age story which typically can have a lot of events happening, like a, a coming of age movie. Like a Home Alone is a coming of age movie. Like mm-hmm. he's home alone, and all these action things happen, and then there's character growth and this that the other. But here we are, we are seeing eight hours condensed to roughly two hour time, and that and but like so much growth happens i'm like this is amazing and everything that happens makes sense nothing feels contrived it all just feels like oh yeah like if a group of people were to have a detention together like this is what i believe it to be well i think another thing i picked up on this time was just the importance of the environment yeah uh the establishing shots before we even meet any of the characters tell you a lot about the school, that it's somewhat hostile. One thing that I did think was fun was that the guidance counselor uh, is Yashimoto, which actually was one of the uh, key crew members for the the movie. So it's just like an oh, Easter nice. egg in there. Um, but he has like the ink blots. Uh, you have the the locker that we later find out was benders we're seeing the environment that they spend most of their time in and the fact that it takes place in their school allows bender the freedom to know like the the air duct system to uh know where they're supposed to be and it's just the, the idea of they are 
confined to a place that is supposed to be where they learn, um, and they have rebelled against it so much that they really only learn from each other. Um, and just the imagery of Bender ripping up books and his like flagrant, uh, just the way that he rebels against formal learning, but still finds a way to learn in that space. Like those themes of like learning and growth and like a school is the perfect place for that. Similarly, you could place them in a different location and you get a very different movie, but possibly with similar outcomes. Uh, like you put them in a motel, it becomes identity. You put them in a stranded warehouse after a crime, it becomes reservoir dogs. Like it actually feels very much like a high school equivalent wow. of reservoir yeah. dogs because like the thing that got them to where they are now, we never see because that wasn't really the most important part. And the mystery of it is to find out how they got there, but more so how they reacted to that catalyst. We don't need to see the catalyst. We need to see their reactions to the catalyst. So uh, they're very similar uh, beats between those different movies, uh, but putting this group of people in that environment is a unique formula to get this outcome. Uh, That is the the reactions with each other. Change one of those characters, you have a different movie. Change the location, you have a different movie. Even change the room in the school where detention is held. It could have been a classroom, very different than the library. Yeah. The cafeteria, same story. It is a very specific choice to have these personalities in this location because it maximizes on the themes this story brings out. Couldn't have said it better myself so i won't <laughs> hey grayson i uh i wrote i wrote you a letter oh all right dear mr grayson i accept the fact that we had to sacrifice a whole two hours or whatever the running time is to review this movie and report on the facts and our reaction but you're crazy to think that we're not going to take our own unique ideas about the movie and untold stories based on evidence provided by the film and to explore things. Because in the end, what I found is that each of us is a brain, an athlete, a basket case, a princess, and a criminal. Does that answer your question? Sincerely. Head cannon! Mess with the bull, you get the head cannon. Hey, that's the better thing Let's go with that. I liked yours. I like <laughs> yours was more poetic. I do want to establish this. In a nineteen ninety nine interview, John Hughes said that several of his Shermer movies, including Sixteen Candles, The Breakfast Club, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, are all part of the same universe. Mm. What's a Shermer? Oh, Shermer like Shermer High. Right. Okay, yeah. With that established, please proceed. I feel like you should go first. <laughs> okay. Because mine does not follow that thread. Oh, mine doesn't either. I was just wanting to share it. Oh, uh, I just I sprinkle some fun facts throughout the different segments. Okay. No, that's nice. No, but you can go first. Okay. Um, so my biggest piece of headcanon uh, is that there is only one person in detention. Oh, no. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Should never let you go first. Ever. <laughs> All right, let's do this together. Wait, I, wait. Well, it might not be the same person. It might not. Okay. 
my big thing is that uh this is Allison's. Yep. Okay. It is the same person. It is the same one. Yeah. (laughs) So sorry. That's real great. Oh man. Because she she is a compulsive liar. Mm -hmm. Um and she just showed up. Um in theory because she didn't need to be. Uh, Oh, so you're saying that Allison is the only one in detention. Yes. Okay. Mine is different. Please proceed. Oh, um, okay, great. Well, yeah, it's basically that she's the only one in detention in that this whole movie is basically just a fabrication of her mind. Cool. So she was the only one in detention. So Vernon is real then. Yes. But everyone else is something that she like thought of to pass the time. Probably actual people in her school that she's just like fantasizing about. Yes. Okay. Very cool. Yes, I I agree that Allison is the only one really there mm-hmm. of of the kids. Um, so my head cannon is going to be an extension of. Sorry, let me take that back. I'm trying to do this without spoilers for other movies, so I'm just going to articulate it in a in the most direct way I possibly can. Okay, just start out with Bruce Willis was dead at the age of six cents. <laughs> It was water that killed the aliens and germs. Uh, and Bruce Willis. And, and Bruce and Willis. And Bruce Willis. <laughs> Full circle. Sorry, go ahead. Man, Shyamalan's afraid of water. <laughs> so my headcanon is that this is not a high school. This is actually an insane asylum. And Allison is a patient here. She is being treated by Dr. Vernon, who... Uh, has diagnosed her with multiple personality disorder. And this is the melding of those personalities. If you look at other multiple personality stories, there's always an event where they come into conflict with one another and have to have some kind of final event where they get merged down, basically. Um, I hold that Allison is the primary personality, um, but... Due to traumatic events, she has fractured herself off into these different, uh, almost archetypal personalities. So if you look at them, like that poster, you know, it, it names them, it labels them basically. And those labels were just the starting point to develop these full people. And she has siphoned off painful memories from her own life mm. into each of these characters. Oh, that's good. So, I mean, you look at it, you have, you have the smarts, you have... Uh, the athletic ability, you have like the beauty, you have the the courage, kind of brash, like things that would be desirable to her in her painful situation, she has embodied in other people. Um, so from that improvised conversation where they're all in the circle, you can piece together the events that got her to this spot. Um, side note for a second, I mentioned uh, Yashimoto being the guidance counselor. Uh, I think that kind of plays into uh, like you have the Rorschach tests on his desk. Like this is a place of uh, mental health and it starts to set up some of those themes early on or mental unhealth, as you see with uh, like the vandalized locker and and the trash, things like that. Um, I'll go into more specific uh, evidence in a moment, but uh, that, conversation where they're all in a circle and they're sharing 
kind of what got them there. You can piece together what could have happened to Allison to get her committed to an asylum like this. Hmm. And what I could piece together was that um, Allison was being bullied at school. Um, so basically, Ooh. she was the Larry Lester equivalent. Um, she was being bullied by someone very similar to Andrew. As a result, she brought a gun to school, which was what Brian got in trouble for. Um, the, bringing the gun to school is what got her committed. Um, and basically, she she wanted to impress people like Claire. So like she had seen people like Claire around, but she knew she was never going to fit in with them. So there, there was struggle there. And basically, when her parents found out what she did about like bringing the gun as a reaction of being beat up uh like her parents reacted very similarly to what bender's parents would have done so terrible home life uh, very abusive parents she has these bullies at school she reacts the way that brian reacted uh, and sees how far she is from being what claire is and so each of them while representing the strengths that she wishes she had, it also represents each of her shortcomings that led her to where she is now. So that that's kind of the story that I was able to glean from each of the, the collective stories. Um, now, looking at evidence as to, okay, sure, that's kind of a, a contrived way to get her to an, an asylum, but why how could this actually be a, a hospital and not a school? There are quotes that are said, that can reinforce that they are actually a shared consciousness in one personality. Things like, I could disappear forever and it wouldn't make any difference. Mm -hmm. So you start to get some of that like melding language. Or towards the end even, they say, uh, it'd be a waste for all of us to write a paper. I think we'd all write the same thing. And that really is... A mark to show that they are starting to merge like they would all respond the same way whereas at the beginning of the therapy session they were wildly different um so things like the picture that she's drawing i think that probably relates back to a, a, an actual space that allison knew before she was committed to the hospital vernon himself being the kind of guy that he is we see a scene where he's going through the private files of the different uh, staff members that work there and uh, he basically makes a, a comment that one of the other like, teachers there is uh, like a nutcase or a basket case or that he's just totally unhinged. So he's making psychological assessments about people in files. My take is that he was actually just reviewing case files um, and that Carl is an orderly at the hospital. Um, so same similar role, but he basically has this interaction with Dr. Vernon who was uh, reviewing um, uh, some closed case files uh, that he maybe necessarily wasn't assigned to. And, and so they have that confrontation right after they share the story though, where they, they basically all reconcile how they got there. I, I think that is when the melding really truly begins because that's where you have like the dancing, which is very representative of like freedom in a lot of cases. Uh, that's where you get the bizarre scene of like the glass shattering um, from Andy. I think when you see the shatter, that is when they start to be uh, brought more into the fold and get closer. There's a lot of things that break. Everything from the David Bowie quote at the very beginning to the ceiling that Bender falls through, uh, even like emotional breakdowns. Like there's this, the broken door there. 
each character somehow breaks something throughout the throughout the movie and i think that represents a transition into the consciousness the only one i can't remember breaking anything is Allison. She observes for the first half because she would rather be the other characters. It's not till the therapy starts to set in that she finds her own voice and is able to speak for herself. And then her makeover at the end is really the transformation into the melding and and the transformative uh, properties of this therapy that it's actually working and she's getting better. She's, she's healed. Um, so I struggled with like I knew Allison was the primary, but I struggled with who actually survives the therapy session. Um, there is a, a feeling that Bender survives till the end because he actually like puts his fist up. I actually just think Bender was the last holdout um, that maybe a little bit of Bender uh, is left over in Allison at the end, but basically when he freeze frames at, at the very, very end, that is the last moments of John Bender, uh, that he will no longer live on past this because Allison has been healed. She basically, she doesn't need Bender anymore to fight her fights for her. Uh, cause she has the strength of all five of them, um, as she was intended to have. Uh, so, there's a lot of stuff like that, um, and I think the sentiment of "Don't you forget about me" is actually the anthem of oh these different gosh. personalities that got her to where she is now. Um, that she's able to leave them in the past, and Allison is stronger for this session that we have experienced. Grayson, you have wrinkled my brain. So once I locked into that idea, it was really difficult for me to watch the movie at face value of I'm watching high schoolers in a high school. I was watching a therapy session that was masked in like the skin of a high school, but it's actually a hospital. Wow. That is fantastic. Well done, sir. Well done. Thank you. All right. So now we're going to swing on over to... Second take title. So we're going to have a fun different version of a second take title. Um, but before we do, I want to throw this in here. Another little fun fact. Uh, working title for Breakfast Club was Detention, The Lunch Bunch, and Library Revolution. Well, I kind of like The Lunch Bunch. Right? A thing I read on a Snapple fact one time was <laughs> that the working title for Friends was Insomnia Cafe. Really? Or insomniac. I don't remember. There was some snap. It was like dripping down the cap. <laughs> this is one of two things. I uh, can't really see it in my memory palace. <laughs> uh, so what we're going to do here with our second take title is we are going to kind of play a game where we try to come up with uh, the best wrong reason for why the movie is called The Breakfast Club. Love it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so Grayson, I will let you start. Uh, so why is the movie called The Breakfast Club? I'm going to start with my least compelling reasons and move to my most compelling reasons. And we it. can ping pong back and forth. Sounds good. Uh, least compelling? Probably because she put Captain Crunch on her sandwich and that's a breakfast cereal. Yep, that's good. Uh, my thing is similar, and which is because she had a club sandwich and she added cereal on it. So now it's a breakfast club and it's a, oh. that's the name of the sandwich. Oh, I'll have a breakfast club sandwich, please. Man, this movie was that close to being called the Turkey Club. 
could be that they all met in the morning, and that's when you eat breakfast. Yep. <laughs> um, it would have been called the Booster Club, but they couldn't get funding. <laughs> Classic Booster Club, always needing money. <laughs> could be called the breakfast club because uh this is the most important interaction or most important day that they're going to have in their entire lives and breakfast is the most important meal of the day very nice very nice breakfast club is actually a code word for the fight club um and breakfast meaning that you're gonna get real scrambled oh uh it's called the breakfast club because they all balance each other like a balanced (laughs) breakfast Oh, that's good. I don't think I could top that. <laughs> well, I just got one more, and it's super weird. It's called the Breakfast Club because each one of them represents a breakfast cereal that you would have in a balanced breakfast. So Brian is eggs because it's brain food. <laughs> Andrew is bacon because it's meaty and full of protein. Claire is grapefruit because it's kind of red and healthy. <laughs> Allison is toast. And Bender is... <laughs> Is hash browns because of drug reasons. Oh, wow. That is solid. Oh, man, that's great. The actual reason why it's called The Breakfast Club is because the title comes from the nickname invented by students and staff for morning detention at the new Trier High School, the school attended by the son of one of John Hughes's friends. Thus, those who were sent to detention before school started were designated members of The Breakfast Club. If I'm being real honest, I like any of our reasons better. <laughs> I really want to go out and buy a breakfast club sandwich. I just oh, think man. that that would be the best. <laughs> it sounds real tasty. And it'll probably be covered in Captain Crunch. Yeah. All right. Now we're going to go to the part of the show where we talk to you about our recasts and remakes. If this movie were to be remade today, which I would absolutely love, uh, who would you cast and what would the storyline be? Uh, well, I can make my recast super quick and easy. Do it. Just take the exact same cast from the Power Rangers reboot that they just did. <laughs> yeah. Take away their powers, and you have the Breakfast Club. It, that's really what they did. They all had Saturday detention. Mm-hmm. Except they also had Zords. That's the only difference. Only difference. And a very aggressive uh, Krispy Kreme tie-in. Yeah, they're like, you may just see a red ranger and a black ranger and a yellow ranger and a pink ranger and a blue blue ranger. (laughs) My favorite one, actually. But really, but we know, really, we're the Power Rangers. Don't you forget about me. Go, 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 go. Wow, what a confusing mashup. <laughs> uh, that's an excellent uh, cast. Uh, so mine is a little more all over the place. Um, I want, for Principal Dick, um, I want John C. McGinley, uh, a.k.a. Dr. Cox from Scrubs. Oh, yeah. Um, for the janitor, Carl, I want the janitor from Scrubs. Love it. See where it's going, and I'm on board. Um, that's kind of where the Scrubs connection ends. Uh, All right. I don't see where <laughs> it's going, and I'm listening. Uh, for the princess, I would love Zendaya. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. For the freak, um, Allison, I would want Millie Bobby Brown. Oh. 
Uh. Um, and then uh, for the brain, uh, switch genders. Uh, Am- Amandala Stenberg. Uh, she was Rue in the Hunger Games. Oh, cool. Um, so that's how who I had so far. Um, Andrew, I think, would be uh, season one Luke from Modern Family. No, actually, sure. current season Luke from Modern Family. Season eight, older Luke, I think, would do well. Heck, he could be Vernon. <laughs> he really could. Yeah. And then for Bender, um, I would absolutely love um, just Bill Hader. I just want Bill Hader <laughs> just, <laughs> just to play a kid. <laughs> But but he's not. He doesn't even have to play a kid. He can just play like that age. But he's never graduated because he's been held back so many times. I just want to see Bill Hare say, "Oh, it was a real banner year at the Bender House." <laughs> I just want to see it. Heart wants what it wants. I like it. For the remake element of it, I I took it more for a sequel. I would love to see a reunion of the same actors. Mm-hmm. Um. And it's just like an X many years later kind of kind of deal. They went back to their high school reunion for different reasons. Ah. We never have to see that part of it, though. That's just the motivation to get them all back in town together. Uh, but they are all sitting together in a jail cell because of something terrible that happened that night nice. at the reunion. Uh, I, I think that'd be... A lot of fun and you could probably do stuff where like vernon's kid is the jail whatever but <laughs> just get them all in a jail cell together the adult version of detention oh i love that what i thought you were gonna say is like okay so this reunion they all meet up in the breakfast aisle uh and they all <laughs> grab different different breakfast items someone has a toaster strudel someone has <laughs> And it's all being rung up by someone, and ben, and then they look up and like, oh, it's you guys, and then everyone just throws their fists in the air. Yeah. Um, well, more realistically, if it's in a jail, Bender never even knew there was a reunion. He was just already in the jail. Oh yeah, he would be like in another yeah. cell. You just he- hear him it's singing. Like, we're here for the reunion. It's like, there's a reunion. Now we're gonna go into our final segment where we give you our reasons to recommend. So, Grayson, why would you recommend the Breakfast Club Sandwich? <laughs> well, the Breakfast Club Sandwich is a very different movie. <laughs> I would recommend the Breakfast Club because it is a story. Uh, it's a coming of age story. It's something that you can relate to through each of the characters because they are so different. There is likely one character that you gravitate towards more than someone else so for an ensemble cast like this it it is um hopefully pretty easy for you to find some at least one character that you really connect with and it's a story of balance um that you are not meant to be isolated as much as you want to be like bender's case um you are even uh, the idea that, like, if you're the most popular, it's still very lonely at the top, like in Claire's case or, or Andrew's case, that we are meant to live in community with one another. And, oh, I just got community. <laughs> it, it is that theme, though, of, like, we are better together. And that is such an encouraging theme that... Uh, we can change one another for the better. Uh, we're meant to learn from one another and that most of the conflict in our lives is because we choose not to communicate with one another uh, and that we we think that we 
like have all the answers and that we're better off by ourselves. But all that does is get us into trouble and isolate us even more. And so by reaching out to to someone who's different than you that you wouldn't normally interact with, in this case, they're forced to interact with one another uh, through through really bender, not through the detention itself, but it's bender that forces them together. Everyone else would have just followed the rules and sat there. Right. Um, but they're put in this this pressure cooker situation where uh, change is really uh, like the, the only thing that can come out of that conflict. Uh, they change for the better. No one is worse off for having reached out to someone else and, and let them selves be vulnerable. So I just think that's such an important message uh, that you don't really see a lot um, through other ensemble movies like Justice League. <laughs> <laughs> Almost made it. <laughs> there are just a, a lot of really sweet themes in this movie um, and community being the, the the center of it all. Oh, yeah. Gosh, I, man, th- this is a movie where I feel like everyone's seen it, probably even reviewed it uh, for their own, you know, reasons. But, like, for some odd reason, you have not, like, watched this movie recently. I would say I'd recommend it because this movie, I think, really shows what's possible with movies. Uh I think a lot of times in the whole scope of the um, of show business in Hollywood and all these like big visionary things like, oh, we have the most special effects or we're going to teleport your mind to a place that you can't even conceive of. Like, it's such a simple and hugely impactful movie. Like, John Hughes made you feel for these five strangers in a school library like that's like that's all movies need to be like i i just mm-hmm. think it's an incredibly simple movie um it's great and it holds up so well over time um uh you know judd nelson's character d- d- doesn't but besides him mm-hmm. um it the all the whole cast has something to give and it's it's great it's good watch it they really were the breakfast (laughs) club sandwich (laughs) well that was our review of the breakfast club let us know what you remember about the breakfast club on twitter we are at flashback flicks and it would really help us out if you left us a review on itunes um Mm. it really helps the show out and lets people know that this is uh the podcast for all kinds of people whether you're a brain an athlete a basket case, a princess, or a criminal. Or a red ranger. <laughs> or a black ranger, or blue, or pink, or yellow. Or even green someday. <laughs> yeah. Or the Justice League. <laughs> if you could leave us a rating on a scale of one to five, uh, five being a full breakfast club, uh, one being just the rye bread, um, we really leaned into that sandwich thing. You can also do one to five Saturdays ooh. where it's like one, yeah, two, uh, okay, three, yeah, so, four, all right, and five, yeah, I'll see you five Saturdays. Wow, I really just 
worked up a sweat doing that. <laughs> Five Saturdays is the best. And be sure to tune in next time right here on the Flashback Flicks Retro Movie Podcast. Until then, remember to be kind and rewind. Don't you forget about me. Don't you forget about me.